The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. The Irish walked away with a comfortable 23-point win last week. But for every bit of evidence that the Irish are making progress, there were plenty of things that went wrong. First, the good stuff. 23 first-quarter points. At last, a fast start. Yay! Isaiah Foskey, quiet most of the year, showed up big. Five tackles, three sacks, two blocked punts. Now that's more like it. Ladies and gentlemen, meet your quarterback sneak specialist, 6'5", 255-pound Mitchell Evans. Well, Evans played quarterback in high school. Hmm, can you say Taysom Hill? Logan Diggs, 28 carries, 130 yards. Diggs has transformed himself from a finesse, run-it-outside kind of guy to a bring-it-on-between-the-tackles tough guy. Good special teams play is breaking out all over. Punting game, touchbacks on kickoffs, field goals, blocked punts. Now the bad. Drew Pine, two more tipped passes and a low completion percentage. Defensive miscues, two critical run defense mistakes that yielded 74 and 47 yard gains and led to touchdowns. Red zone problems. On defense, ND has not stopped anyone from scoring this year once they cross the 20 yard line. Notre Dame and Rutgers are the only two teams in the country that can make this unfortunate claim. Yikes! And the turnover drought continues. Three total now on the season for Notre Dame. Notre Dame is dead last in the country in interceptions, next to last in fumble recoveries. What is going on? Yes, it seems that the Irish just can't take a step forward in 2022 without a step or two back. And the schedule from here only gets tougher. Coming up, number 16, Syracuse. Number 5, Clemson. This staff's first shot at the Navy option Boston College, Phil Jerkovic's homecoming, and number 10, USC. Facing that, the Irish need answers, and they need them fast. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, located on Illinois Road, look for new Fort Wayne locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and refreshing Coors Light, made to chill. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. 
take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Howe. Well, Tim Priester, you and I have been known over the years to point out, uh, after games maybe like last weekend was, uh, that a win is a win. And some, you know, sometimes a win can include some disappointment. And there was there was a lot of nails on chalkboard type of things going on during the UNLV game last week. Tim, tell us, how did you feel about Notre Dame when the UNLV game was over? You know, I don't think that the, that game fell into the category of a win is a win because coming off the Stanford game, it was time for Notre Dame to have a complete performance. And they got a fast start. They scored 23 points in the first quarter. Uh, it was 30-7 to seven by halftime. So the outcome was determined at that point. But, uh, you know, still an incomplete performance, still a defense that gives up long touchdown drives, still an offense that doesn't show a killer instinct, although they certainly ran the ball and ran the clock in the second half. It just was not, uh, from my perspective, was not the overall performance uh, that could be expected or was needed, although I guess seven games into the season, they haven't had a 60-minute full-game performance, so maybe that's maybe that's not realistic uh, for the rest of the season, or maybe it's coming up here soon. Well, you know, based on a, a little conversation you and I had as we rode the elevator down to uh, field level with a couple minutes left in the game, I had a feeling that you were less than impressed. By the- <laughs> Might have been a look on my face, huh, Phil? <laughs> that, that was part of it. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh all right, let's break down the good and the bad from the game, though. And and first of all, we should point – you got to point out that part of the, the bad really stems from the fact that arguably the two best, least offensive players for UNLV, Aiden Robbins and quarterback Doug Brumfield, right. were not active. And uh, so UNLV was a, was a hurting football team. Uh, they had just lost uh, two games by big scores uh, previous to that uh, – but there are some positives, and you already mentioned one. That was the fast start. Notre Dame, hallelujah, finally scored a touchdown in the first quarter. That was good. Isaiah Foskey, and he's going to be really critical, I think, the rest of the season. He needs to play like he did last week. I'll give his stat line. Five tackles, three sacks, two blocked kicks in one quarter, I might add, and uh, one quarterback hurry. But I want to talk about what I see as another real positive, and that's the special teams, Tim. Uh, they continue to perform well. Comment on the job that uh, Brian Mason is doing, and how is it that uh, the Irish have been blocking so many punts? It's really remarkable. Well, he's known for that. Cincinnati, when he was at Cincinnati last year, Brian Mason, they, they tied for the nation's lead in in block punts slash kicks, and Notre Dame's had three, three uh, block punts in the last two games. Prince Colley has been heavily involved with that, along with Isaiah Foskey, but you know, it's just, it's an aggressive mentality. Brian Mason, when he came into Notre Dame, uh, replacing Brian Pullian, he came in with a very aggressive mentality. And so, you know, the, the goal is to alter the punter, if not necessarily block the kick. And so if you don't get the block, but you end up getting, you know, a 32-yard net uh, gain or, or loss on, the, uh, on a punt, then you're doing some positive things. So he does a great job. Uh, you know, I mean, he's virtually all of his job is 
special teams. He does a little bit of outside linebacker work. And it also helps to have a guy like Isaiah Foskey, who was a putt blocker before Brian Mason got there. It looks like Prince Colley's becoming one, too. And and the rest of the special teams. I mean, target, the kicking game in general. I don't know how much credit you give to the, the special teams coach for the results of the, the kicker and the punter. Uh, but... but uh, you know, Groupie has been tremendous, 8 for 10. John Sott, the punter, is among the nation's leaders. They've been pretty good in in, uh, in punt return uh, with Brandon Joseph. He's not a breakaway guy. The one area where they really haven't done a whole lot is kick return. But a lot of teams don't do much with kick return now with the, with the fair catch uh, outside of the, the, the end zone and, and things along those lines. So, I mean, yeah, they're good. He's... <laughs> He's done a tremendous job, and um, you know, you, the only wish is that the offense and defense could be as consistent as the special teams have been. Yeah, place kicking and the punting game uh, were very questionable uh, going into the season, but they have shined for the Irish. Uh, another positive I thought from last week, Tim, I, I really liked the creativity Tommy Reese showed by using six foot five, two hundred and fifty five pound Mitchell Evans under center in short yardage. I didn't think about this until I think I heard you say something or I read something, but Mitchell Evans brought a little experience to that position, didn't he? He did. He was uh, when he was in high school. He's listed six foot seven. Notre Dame has a little bit over <laughs> six foot five, but he was a big quarterback as a senior in high school, and he did, he did a little work under center. I think he does a tremendous job for a guy as 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 long as he is getting low and taking the snap and. You know, when it comes to a quarterback sneak, I mean, the whole world knows it's happening anyway. So why not have a 6'5", 255-pound guy under center to do it as opposed to a five foot 11, uh, 198 or whatever Drew Pine is? Uh, so it makes sense. He's a versatile player. They like him. Uh, he's he's a, He has a chance to be a quality tight end. I, I would, if we're looking for a surprise, I pick a, a Mitchell Evans involvement in a passing game this weekend at at Syracuse, but no, he's a good choice. He gets a low pad level, and I'm sure it's not the last that we've seen a Mitchell Evans taking direct snaps in short yardage situations. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, the the NFL has kind of caught on to this with Taysom Hill with the New Orleans Saints. Maybe uh, uh, Mitchell Evans throws the ball occasionally or, or does yeah, some other things. That, could, that absolutely could happen. He, he threw 23 touchdown passes in high school, so he, he knows how to do that. I'm just very intrigued by that. Okay, one other positive. Logan Diggs, man. I mean, 28 carries, 130 yards. I mean, he just transformed himself. Uh, we've mentioned that transformation a couple of times, but I think it almost came complete circle last week that he is there. 28 carries, the most, by the way, that any Irish running back has had since 2007. James Aldridge had 32 carries against Navy, but you just don't carry it that often anymore. Why don't the Irish just keep feeding the ball to him instead of splitting carries. He's averaging five and a half yards a carry. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty simplistic, be, I know. Yeah, I mean, he'll be beaten to a pulp by the end of the year. You can't. In this day and age, it's just, I know there was a time when when the Alan Pinkett's of the world carried 25 to 30 times a game. But, you know, the games, guys are bigger, stronger, more physical, and running backs take more of a beating than they did in yesteryear. But Logan Diggs has been really good. That's three games in a row now. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we at Irish Illustrated have been talking about how physical he is between the tackles. Now, he's getting great push up front. It's easy to get a it great helps. running start and slam into it when you know, you know you're know you probably not going to have contact two or three yards after the line of scrimmage. But he's doing the right thing. 
He bumped a couple runs outside that were designed to be blocked inside and they weren't productive. And every time he does that, you hope he learns the lesson a little bit better. But he's now a 200, uh, what did he say he was, Phil? I'm 212 pounds or something like that. I but think he said in the offseason, in fact, that was a question uh, asked of him in the postgame. I think he said he gained 20 pounds in the offseason uh, of muscle. And and he's, yeah, and, no he's doubt. No he, doubt. and he wants to be a power back, so he's going to gain some yeah. more. I mean, great pad level. And, you know, I still contend that keep play, keep running like that. And there will be times where the middle of the field, the second level of the field opens up. And then he can use some of his right, right, left maneuverability, which he has a lot of. Okay, well, uh, something to look for. Logan Diggs playing very, very well right now. Negatives, though, Tim. We got to get to the negatives from last week. First of all, Drew Pine, he's just not the confident, high percentage guy we saw against North Carolina and BYU. Fourteen of twenty-eight against UNLV. About the same against Stanford. I wonder if maybe it's because teams have film on him now. I don't know. But part of his limitation is also tipped passes at the line of scrimmage, driving me crazy. Something I, I actually feared from the very beginning, and I know we had seen it in practice, and you tipped me off to that, no pun intended. So uh, he's had seven passes tipped this year. I mean, this is like a plague. He's not going to grow any taller. Is there anything that Irish can do? Well, for one, one, of, one of the tip passes Saturday, Marcus Freeman said was a misalignment, and so he was throwing through a through a window that wasn't uh, wasn't open like it was supposed to be, but there's no doubt. I mean, he's you know his re- his release as a five foot eleven and a half quarterback. I mean, I think sometimes a five foot eleven and a half quarterback can have one's going to have a higher release than the other one, uh, and that can be beneficial. But his is relatively low, and that, he's not throwing sidearm or anything. But um, you know, I don't know what what more you can do about it. Offensive linemen are getting bigger and longer all the time. You can say the same thing about defensive linemen. So Drew Pine is is Notre Dame's quarterback, for better or for worse. I know a lot of people want Steve Angeli, and his time will come if something happens to Drew Pine. His mastery of of what they're trying to do, and you know, I know a lot of people are bothered by the scan offense, but they feel that's what gives them the best chance to be successful. And he's the one that can get them aligned properly with all the hand signals in between the snap of the ball in between plays and the snap of the football. So it is what it is. We've seen, I believe our count is at seven. Uh, I'm sure that there's another, a good four or five still left before the season's over. It's just going to happen. It's a matter of, uh, well, I don't know if it's physics, but you know what I mean? It's just mathematics. And you mentioned Steve Angeli, by the way, folks, he's six foot three. Seems like a real confident kid. He got a couple of snaps. The Irish could use some confidence at this position. And I, and I bring up a comment that we had from Michael Mayer postgame. He acknowledged that his quarterback does get down at times and his teammates have to encourage him. And he's talking about Drew Pine. Did that surprise you to hear that uh, from the podium? Yeah, it did. In fact, it prompted me to, to write some things after the game uh, dealing with that. I, you know, I mean, here's Drew Pine. And look, his heart's in the right place. But I mean, Drew Pine has been, he grew up dreaming of being the quarterback in Notre Dame. Uh, he got the opportunity to go there. He's now the starting quarterback. It, it was his fifth start. Is that right? Yeah, fifth start last Saturday. His fourth start was against a bad Stanford team, and he's lacking confidence against Stanford and UNLV. To me, that part is that's more maddening than the than, than the tip fat passes. Michael Mayer said it, 
And it started with Marcus Freeman saying, and, and that's the irony that, you know, one of the things that Tommy Reese said about Tyler Butner in the spring was that, you know, he was concerned about his confidence. So Butner has a confidence issue. Pine has a confidence issue. But apparently Angeli doesn't based upon the way he reacted to his first opportunity to get in the game. So says Marcus Freeman. So I just, you know, at some point, you got to put the big boy pants on and go out and play. Without a doubt. And confidence, uh, uh, it surprises me, but I, it's obviously an issue with Pine. And we've heard plenty to know that. And we've seen it. Uh, Lorenzo Style is another guy who I think has got a confidence issue. Uh, dropping passes, uh, that that's a, an area that the Irish uh, need to improve in and did not look good last week. And Tim Audric Estime, another fumble. How deep is he in the doghouse? Uh, that doghouse is very shallow. They need Audric Estime, and I'm sure they worked them hard this week. Yeah, after his, after his fumble against UNLV, just three carries into the game. They went with Diggs and, and Tyree, but they need Audric Estime. And so that doghouse is its only as deep as how he practiced this week. If he continued to have trouble you know, holding on to the football, having it dislodged by helmets, then there's a there's a greater issue, but he he'll if he had a good week of practice, which I'm sure they they emphasized it, uh, he'll be back in there. As it relates to Lorenzo Styles, somebody said to me, "Well, that's not a lack of confidence; that's a that's a concentration issue." And I'm like, "No, one drop or two drops is a constant concentration issue. When it carries over over three or four games, you lack confidence. His body language is not good. I, I know that, so I don't know." I don't know what's going on with Lorenzo Styles. He's very talented, but right now, Notre Dame, among the whiteouts, they don't have a number one. Yeah, and there's just something going on there with Styles that I can't quite put a finger on. Uh, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl, we will point out that his performance was outstanding last year. Eight catches, 136 yards, and it's just been downhill since then. Uh, and another negative that I'll mention, and then we'll move on, of course, we've got to talk about those two big running plays that uh, the Irish gave up, a 74-yarder in the first quarter, then a 43-yarder uh, post-game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marcus Friedman said the obvious, that it's critical and it's something they had to fix. Uh, big plays continuing to plague the defense. They play fairly well otherwise. All right, but let's move on. Tim, at 4-3, and three, the Irish are looking at the real possibility of 7-5 and five or a 6-6 six and six record. But that really emphasizes just how significant these next two games are to the perception of this program. Talk about how the outcome of the next two games will impact that perception. It's absolutely huge. I mean, this will tell you pretty much everything you need to know about Notre Dame football in the first year of Marcus Freeman going to Syracuse and playing Clemson. I doubt very much whether they win both of those games, if they win both of those games. Well, now they have a they have a great chance of being eight and four, and a realistic chance of being nine and three if they would go to uh, you know that's assuming a win over Navy and Boston College, and this team's probably not in a position to assume anything. But for the for the sake of argument, I'm I'm going off of that. The Navy and Boston College will be wins, uh, you know. If you but if you lose to Syracuse and beat Clemson. Then the you know that you're going to look at the Clemson win, which would be huge. They're undefeated, ranked number five, but you'd look look back and regret have regret with Syracuse. I you know I think as I look at these two, I think the most likely scenario is a win over. I, I know this is on the contrary to home and road, but that's kind of how Notre Dame's been playing. I think more likely it's a win over um, 
over Syracuse and a loss to Clemson if it's going to be a split. I mean, I think it's more likely, Phil, that they lose to than win to. I'm not saying they can't they can't beat Syracuse because they certainly can. Syracuse is a is uh it's an uprising right now. They haven't established themselves, but these are critical. This will determine this will go a long way to determining how we look back on the first year of Marcus Freeman. Yeah, absolutely. The next two weeks uh we'll tell a big story. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all time Irish hero. Key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 377th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sharon McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sharon McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Michael Mayer needs just 25 more yards to break Tyler Eifert's Notre Dame record for career tight end receiving yards. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Howe. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The Irish are at number 16 Syracuse this week. The game on ABC begins at noon, South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chriscraft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, new and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year we are focusing on the Fighting Irish quarterbacks since 1988. So far, Tony Rice, Rick Meyer, Kevin McDougal, Ron Paulus, Jarius Jackson, Brady Quinn, Jimmy Clausen, Tommy Reese, and this week, Everett Golson. Everett Golson grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. At Myrtle Beach High School, he threw 151 career touchdown passes as a four-year starter, a number that ranks sixth all-time in national high school football history. And he led his team to state titles in 2008 and 2010. Recruited by Brian Kelly, he enrolled early at Notre Dame in January of 2011. After a redshirt year, he won the starting job from incumbent Tommy Reese in 2012 and went on to an outstanding season as the Irish ran to a 12-0 record in the national championship game. He threw for 2,408 yards and 12 TDs and had 298 yards and 6 TDs on the ground. Despite coming up short in the title game against Alabama, 
Golson played well, completing 21 of 36 passes for 270 yards and two TDs, one passing and one on the ground. Everett Golson had to sit out the 2013 year due to an academic issue, but worked his way back into the university and picked up where he left off. In 2014, he threw for 3,400 yards and 29 touchdowns, and he had eight more rushing. At one point, he set an all-time school record by completing 25 consecutive passes. Coincidentally, that came against Syracuse, this week's opponent. The Irish team and Golson faltered down the stretch in 2014, but came back to notch a victory over LSU in the Music City Bowl by a score of 31-28. to In that game, Brian Kelly deployed both Golson and backup Malik Zaire in an effective timeshare at quarterback, rotating the two situationally, oftentimes play to play. Golson made the decision to graduate transfer after the 2014 season and spent one year as the starting quarterback at Florida. Timmy had fumbling issues towards the end of his Notre Dame career, but whenever Golson was good, he was very good, and no one can take that 2012 undefeated regular season away from him. Yeah, you're right, Phil. I mean, you're right about everything. The fumbling problems were pretty acute, but the the 2014 season when he threw for almost 3,500 yards and 29 touchdowns, he rushed for another eight. I mean, I, I you know I expected big things of him coming out of high school because he just threw he threw the prettiest ball. It was very catchable. You, you talk about you know, you, you'll hear the phrase he could spin it. Well, he could really spin it. And when he was good, he was good. Now Tommy Reese had to bail him out a couple times, usually in the red zone uh, or in the fourth quarter of the 2012 season. And there were times where he, certainly he was disappointing, but when he was good, Phil, like you said, he was really good. Indeed, Everett Golson left Notre Dame, ranked in the top five in 31 Notre Dame game, career, uh, or season statistical categories. Everett Golson, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats, and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish Victory. Head coach Dino Babers is in his seventh season, leading number 16 and 6-1 and Syracuse. Last week, Syracuse suffered their first loss of the season to number five Clemson, 27-21. In that game, the Orange took a 21-10 lead into the fourth quarter before surrendering 17 unanswered points. Their record to this point of the season represents the culmination of a rebuild from 1-10 two years ago and 5-7 and last season. Critical to the turnaround has been the play of 6'4", 228-pound quarterback Garrett Schrader. A dual-threat 2021 transfer from Mississippi State, Schrader is completing 70% of his passes and has thrown 13 touchdown passes against just four interceptions. And on the ground, he's done a lot of damage. 371 yards, six touchdowns, and if you adjust that for sacks, it's a whole lot more. Six-foot-five tight end Aronde Gatson II is Schrader's top target. He has 37 catches, good for 593 yards and five touchdowns. Gatson will line up all over the field and is always on Schrader's radar screen. Syracuse has a start at running back in sophomore Sean Tucker. Tucker, this season, has 698 yards, 6 TDs, and averages 5.4 yards per carry. He is also heavily involved in the passing game with 28 catches uh, and two more touchdowns. Last season, Tucker was an All-American. The Orange do give up sacks. Syracuse is 96th in sacks given up at 2.57 per game. 
The Orange's defense has been stingy at giving up points at 15.1 per game. That's the sixth best mark in the nation. They returned eight out of 11 starters from last season to man their 3-3-5 scheme. Edge rusher Steve Linton leads the team with four sacks on the season. The linebacking core, the safeties, the corners are all among the best groups in the ACC this season, and they have continued playing at a high level uh, this year after a good year last season. Linebacker Mikel Jones leads the team in tackles at 52 and has notched three sacks. Cornerback Garrett Williams has two interceptions and three passes defended. Overall, this defense has been disruptive with 13 turnovers gained and 19 sacks. They give up just 296 yards a game. That's the 16th best mark in the nation. Penalties have been an issue for the Orange. They are among the worst in the country, accumulating 72.8 yards per game. With the blossoming of Garrett Schrader in his second year at quarterback and the consistently strong play of their defense, Syracuse has transformed into a top 20 team. They won their first six games by an average of 23 points, and they fought number five Clemson on the road, toe-to-toe, before succumbing to a one-score loss. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Well, it's a pretty complete football team on both sides of the ball, but I'll narrow it down to two, and and again, I'm on each side of the football. Garrett Schrader has really come alive as a, as a uh, quarterback, a dual-threat quarterback. Don't let him beat you with his feet. That's when they become that much more dangerous. He's been sacked 18 times. Keep him contained in the pocket. And then on the other side of the ball, I think Notre Dame has an advantage on both lines, and it really needs to show up with Notre Dame's offensive line. It's a smaller front for Syracuse, and they need to run the football. Make Garrett Schrader one-dimensional. Don't let him run. He can pass, but uh, don't let him run. And the Irish also will need to take advantage of their physical advantage in the trenches, both offensively and defense, but particularly offensively and run the football. And those are Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage keys to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, in accordance with that running game, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the duo of Estime and Diggs, but I'm really leaning towards Estime. I think he'll have a bounce-back performance. Diggs is going to get his carries, and I think he'll continue to make the progress in his game that he has in recent weeks. But if you ask me to pick one, I'm going to say Audric Estime in a bounce-back performance. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's go with Audric Estime. I would second that. I think he's, he's primed. Uh, he's not too happy. He's put the ball on the turf a couple of times. Uh, and Audric Estime is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into Game 8? Well, for the first time in a couple of weeks, I don't have an announcement of a guy being out for the rest of the season. It was Bo Bauer and Eli Raritan in previous weeks. So, I mean, very good news, actually. Jack Kaiser was bothered by a, a deep thigh bruise. He's expected back. Uh, Brandon Joseph missed a little bit of time. He is expected to be uh, in the rotation a little bit more. Jaden Mickey, the talented freshman who's missed the last couple games with an ab- abductor uh, issue, is also expected to be back. So, uh, once they got past these season-ending injuries from the last couple of weeks, things are looking up. Okay, almost all hands on deck for the Irish, and they'll certainly be needed. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. 
Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says Syracuse by one and a half, a number that's been going down all week. What does America's foremost authority say? I think this is one of the most difficult games to pick. I think I probably said that about BYU a few weeks ago, and I feel this is a this is a tough one too because I mean Syracuse had an opportunity to beat Clemson. Uh, I know that Dino Babers, their head coach, has said they're very beat up. He wasn't specific as to whom, but I do know that Garrick Schrader took some shots, and I wonder if he's one of them. I think it's a tough game to pick. It's going to be a real tough envir- environment in the uh, in the old Carrier Dome. I think Notre Dame's going to have an awfully difficult time winning against Clemson, but I think they're going to win this game by a score of 27-20. to 20. ND 27, Syracuse 20. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Tim, I echo what you said, and I also say this. It's hard to trust this offense after having left so many points on the field last week and only notching 14 against Stanford. But one of these weeks, the Irish are going to get some turnovers, and why not this week? I predict that will make the difference. I'm taking Notre Dame also. Notre Dame 24, Syracuse 21. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.